just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back at the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope you're having a great day. And you know, my day started out pretty nice. I wasn't expecting it to happen this way, but my wife woke me up early this morning. Now, early to me these days is like 7 o'clock. In the old days when I was working, it was 4.30 every morning and it was a drudgery. I now relish in the fact that I get up when I get up. But today, my wife woke me up. And the reason she woke me up is because she's going out on our boat with a bunch of friends today. I'm not going, just her and her friends. Now, before I go any farther, I just want to acknowledge something. Everybody comes online and say, oh, I got this big boat, these great cars. I live in a condo on a lake. I have a 20-foot pontoon boat. Nothing outrageous, just standard stuff. I'm fortunate to have what I have. I will acknowledge that. But I'm old. I went through a lot of years getting to this point. So I'm not trying to brag here, but you know, most most of you know that I live on a lake because of some of the TikToks you've seen. Anyway, she wakes me up and said, honey, will you go take the boat and get gas? Because it wasn't low, but it was low enough where we should probably have some if they're going to spend the day out. She doesn't like to get gas when guests are on the boat because then they feel obligated to pay for the gas and she doesn't want to do that. And I agree with her. So I got up, got on the boat and headed over to get the gas. It's about 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away on the lake. And at first I thought, boy, I don't want to get up and do all this stuff so she can go have fun all day and I got to be here making TikToks and doing podcasts and stuff, which I enjoy, but it's not quite as fun as hanging out on the lake. But as I get in the boat and I get out into the bay, Boomer Bay as I call it, um, I'm realizing, God damn, 70 degrees outside, light breeze, the lake is calm. I'd like to be going out on the lake. And then I thought to myself, dude, you're on the lake, okay? I'm on the lake, but I'm going to have to do something and have to come back. But I decided to make it a little slower trip because everything around me, everything surrounding me, seems so perfect, seems so idyllic. So I kind of took my time in getting the gas and took my time coming back. But I got to tell you, it's a great way to start the day. It's very peaceful. It's just me and the boat, nobody anywhere near me, not many people on the lake. The weather is perfect. The wind is light and the lake is calm. It was a beautiful way to start it. It gave me a serene moment in time, which I don't always have. So it was a nice way to get things started. Then I started watching the news and getting into this whole thing and it gets fast and furious. It gets kind of uh, frustrating sometimes. It gets upsetting sometimes. But we need to watch what's going on. We need to be aware of what's going on and all the things it could do to affect this country in order to make sure we're headed the right way. And that's part of the reason for the program. The Rational Boomer podcast is try to keep people more informed, give them a place to speak out or have me speak out for them, because there's a lot of things that are of concern out there that need to be talked about. People need to express their opinions if they ever hope to have any change in this country. And uh, with the Rational Boomer podcast, hopefully we can 
get some ideas out there, get some opinions out there, and maybe, just maybe, change some minds. Enough minds to make sure that we're on the right track and we're safe, happy, and healthy for the future, if not for us, but for our kids and for our grandkids. Now, of course, the big news today was this Joe Biden-Vladimir Putin summit. Now, people have been waiting for this for a while, at least since Joe Biden got into office, because Putin played such a factor in the Donald Trump administration. We wanted to be able to be sure that uh, Vladimir Putin (laughs) saw the contrast now that we're with a new sheriff in town, that being Joe Biden. Now, all through the Trump administration, there was nothing but Donald Trump bending over backwards, kissing Putin's ass, talking about how great a guy he was, and uh, doing everything he wanted him to do, and allowing him to do whatever they wanted to do. Now, that's problematic, because no matter how you look at it, the Russians and Vladimir Putin are adversaries of this country. Our best interests are aren't in their intentions. In fact, quite the opposite. They see us as a threat, if not a nuclear threat, a threat by a way of life, our democracy. That's something that could tempt their people to want something more in their country, which Vladimir Putin and uh, his entire party are just not willing to give up. They don't want those people to have that kind of freedom or the flexibility to speak out against their government or their president being Vladimir Putin. So just by virtue of that, this country is a threat to Russia. So what Russia likes to do is they like to create chaos in this country, discontent, um, making us look bad. And for four years, they had a free day doing that. They had carte blanche to do whatever they wanted. They... um, Meddled in the 2016 election. They meddled in the 2020 election. They wanted to create chaos with their Russian bots. And then they have Donald Trump in office, who is a absolute captain of chaos. He admitted as much. He said he enjoys chaos. That's his strategy and how he gets things done. So he was the perfect guy for Putin. Putin wanted to create this chaos and this discontent and this embarrassment for this country. And Donald Trump was the perfect guy to provide it, and damned if he didn't. As we're going on and we're seeing how things are shaking out now that Donald Trump is gone, there's a lot of embarrassing things out there. You know, we're seeing how he used the DOJ as a weapon and how he used them to undermine and look into the press, sitting congressmen, into people on his own staff. I mean, that's how paranoid he was. He was checking on everybody because he assumed everybody was out to get him. And that's what narcissists do. When they aren't bragging about how cool they are, they're talking about how big a victim they are. And that's, that's their strategy. So to have Vladimir Putin helping him to cause this chaos, Donald Trump was happy. And so was Vladimir Putin. Well, now Vladimir Putin has to meet with Joe Biden. This is a whole different story because Joe Biden's a different man, thankfully, a better man, thankfully, than Donald Trump. And in fact, and in fact, uh, um, Joe Biden has met 
with Vladimir Putin in the past, some 10 years ago when he was vice president. But it was interesting to see. Now, when Donald Trump met with Putin, a summit or whatever it was, I remember the scene very well. Donald Trump was standing at his podium and uh, Vladimir Putin was standing at his podium. Donald Trump looked like a dipshit dumb fuck, as he always does, rattling on about nothing, making no sense, and relatively unintelligible. Now, Vladimir Putin was a different situation. He was kind of up-tempo. He was kind of jovial. He was a little arrogant and even a bit cocky. It's like he had the world in his hands, and damned if he didn't, because he's got this Donald Trump bending over, kissing his ass, giving him free reign to do whatever he wanted to do. So he was happy as a fucking lark, whistling Dixie out his asshole, as they used to say. So I pictured that moment, and it was, to me, it was kind of troubling, because Donald Trump appeared to be deferring to Vladimir Putin. And in fact, he did, when they were talking about the meddling in 2016, um, somebody asked Trump about Russia meddling in that election. And Donald Trump said, well, I talked to uh, Putin about it, and he says he didn't do it, and I believe him. He's believing Vladimir Putin, the former KGB officer, the head of, of Russia, who is our adversary. He's believing him over our intelligence. Now, why would you do that? Now, there's all kinds of speculation about him having investments over there or owing Russians money, and I think that's pretty pretty clear that he does owe money to Russians. Who they are, we're not sure. But when he was in this country, as he's in this country trying to do his business, he screwed over so many banks, none of them would deal with him. Now, Deutsche Bank did decide to deal with him, but somehow they were getting money from a third party in order to subsidize Donald Trump. And the speculation is that it was Russian. Now, the Russians wanted control over Donald Trump even before he was president because he had a certain amount of clout. He was on TV. He was allegedly rich. And so that was a value to them. So he, they continued to feed him with money to keep him where he is. And then when he just so happened to win the presidency, they hit the fucking lottery at that point. And when he was running for president, looked like he might have a chance. That's why they meddled in the 2016 election. They figured if they can get this clown in, they can play him for all they got and uh, do whatever they want. That's exactly what happened. So 2020 comes along and he may be kicked out of office. They don't like that because a new president's going to have a different take on this. He isn't going to be as big a clown, no matter who he is, as Donald Trump is. He isn't going to be as amenable to the Russians as Donald Trump is. So they wanted to try everything they could to make sure Donald Trump stayed in office for at least another four years. So we know how Donald, uh, Donald Trump's relationship with Putin is. But today when I looked at the video of Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin sitting, might have been just after they talked, um, Joe's on the left. He's sitting there with a smile. He looks pretty calm, cool, and uh, collected. But if you look at Vladimir Putin, He's kind of scrunched down in the chair, his head's down, he looks sullen, he looks angry. And why wouldn't he be? Because he's no longer getting his way. He's no longer going to be able to have free reign to do whatever the fuck he wants. Joe Biden's going to call him out for everything he does. And that was the essence of the meeting. 
We know he meddled in 2016's election. We know he meddled in the 2020 election. We know the Russians hacked into many of our government agencies and some some private industry, including the the oil company and the meat company and and, and healthcare. So Joe Biden isn't going to walk in there and kiss his ass and say, oh, man, Putin, you're great. He's going to say, look, here's the deal. We know you did this, you did this, you did this. And granted, he's going to deny it, but it doesn't matter because we know better. Joe says, look, if you do this, it's going to cost you. You're not going to get by free and clear anymore, and we're going to nail your ass to the wall. So that's why Putin's not too happy at this point. Because now, finally like hopefully Donald Trump will be shortly, he'll have to be accountable. He'll have to pay a price for some of his misdeeds, if not all of his misdeeds. So this is a turning point. This is a moment in time that Putin did not want to face. Not that Joe Biden's so tough because he's not the toughest of potential presidents that we could have or will have in the future. But he's certainly a lot tougher than Donald Trump was because Nobody's going to let Vladimir Putin slip by with anything. Now, they may try to meddle in the 2022 election, the 2024 election. But when they do, they have to understand that Joe Biden is going to put the hammer down. There are going to be sanctions or who knows what. Maybe we get a group of people to go hack their shit and cause problems, not with the intent of stealing or doing anything like that, but to just making them understand that there is some accountability, that if you do this sort of thing, there is going to be a price to pay. Now, when Donald Trump was in office, there was no price to pay. In fact, they were lauded for it. They were applauded for it. And so the world has changed for Vladimir Putin. Now, Vladimir Putin's also having some troubles with his own popularity in his own country. We don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't even know what can happen. You know, Putin is a dictator. He's a criminal. And as Joe Biden said, he's a killer. Now, they're always being confronted about jailing innocent people, about uh, killing people or disappearing people. This uh, Navalny, who was a competitor for the presidency, all of a sudden, they attempt to kill him. He gets away. Now they've got him in jail. He was on a um, uh, hunger strike, and it's just a mess. This guy's a legitimate competitor to Vladimir Putin, so what does he do? He puts him in jail. Needless to say, people like America will say, how can you do this? You can't do this. If you keep doing this, we are going to make you pay a price. So what does Vladimir Putin say? Well, he takes a page from Donald Trump and all these fucking idiot Republicans and says, well, look, you're doing the same thing. And you say, how, how is that possible? Well, all those patriots that charged the uh, Capitol on January 6th, you've got four or 500 people in jail. These are political prisoners. You even killed Ashley Babbitt when she was unarmed and just this innocent girl at the U.S. Capitol. You see what they do? You see where the Republicans get their strategies? Directly from the Russians. Try to turn it around, make it look like something that it's not. Deny that something else happened. And that's what Putin does. 
Unfortunately, we can't do much with Putin. We can ultimately shut down these Republicans and these nutcases. But Putin is just going to switch it around because it's not about anything more than perception. When he gets questions like these, he has to have the right amount of right perception by his people at home. He can't appear weak and he can't appear to be a criminal. So he's got to spin it. He's got to divert. He's got to lie. And that's exactly what he does there. Now, as I said, Putin loves creating chaos. He loves causing problems for the United States. And he was able to do that with Donald Trump in office. Now, with Joe Biden in office, um, it's probably not going to be as easy for them to do that. There's going to be some pushback. Now, it's important on our end that we try to shut down some of these Republicans uh, and some of these representatives that side with Vladimir Putin. Now, if you went up and asked them, you side with Vladimir Putin? They'd say, no, of course not. They're Russians. But it's funny, the strategies, what they say, what they do is so similar. So if you're a Republican out there, you have to wonder why. Do I side with the Russian attitude or the normal people? Well, it seems like more people are siding with the Russian attitude, which is contrary to everything that America is about. Yes, there are some good Republicans, but unfortunately, at this point, the whole party as as a whole has decided to go with the QAnon nutcases, Nazi, white supremacist, Putin-loving pieces of shit. I mean, there have even been representatives out there that have deferred to Vladimir Putin over Joe Biden. Now, this is appalling. Even if it's a president that's not in your party— even if you don't like him, you got to like him better than Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is a dictator. He's a criminal. He's a murderer. But you want to side with them. Well, I can tell you this. This is going to, uh, um, this is going to cause you problems down the line. Because this attitude, this position, and these strategies won't hold. That's not how this country was built. That's not what this country is about. And you're going to fail ultimately. Now, there might have been a lot of people out there that have thought that uh, there was going to be some great results that came from this meeting with Putin and, and, and Biden. But there never really was going to be anything accomplished. All they really accomplished was that they agreed to have more meetings. I mean, this whole situation between the Repub or between the Americans and Russia is a very complex situation. We've got to dig out from the mess that Donald Trump left us in first, and then we can speak on an even par. But again, as I mentioned earlier, this is all about perception. Donald Trump was a lackey when he met with Putin. Joe Biden meets with Putin. Putin's upset. He's angry. He's whatever. Joe Biden came off like the man in charge, and that's the way it should be. That's the way it needs to be. Russia is not nearly as powerful a country as America. Yes, they have similar nuclear weapons, but their economy, their way of government, the people's discontent, totally different from, from America. So we need a president that walks in there and says, hey, I'm in charge. I'm on top of the heap. You're going to start listening or you're going to start paying prices. Anytime you get in a conversation with anybody, the posture you take 
will dictate how the conversation goes. If you go in there angry, it's not going to work for you. If you go out in there without confidence or know what you're talking about or feel confident about what you're having to say, you're going to lose. Joe Biden understands this. He understands his position as president, as the leader of the free world, as the man who's on top of the country with the most power in the world. And that's how he needs to act. Not like some fucking circus clown like Donald Trump, who will cater to anybody that says a nice thing to him. Now, I'm sure Putin said some nice things to Biden and vice versa, but I know Biden doesn't buy into the bullshit. Just because somebody says something nice to you doesn't mean they're your friend. Donald Trump doesn't grasp that. Joe Biden does. He's a politician. He's a politician of note and a lot of experience. He's dealt with Vladimir Putin before. He knows what he's dealing with. So whether or not you believe that Joe Biden was the best presidential option for us in 2020, two things you need to know. Nobody's had more experience in the Senate. And in spite of the things seem to be dragging now there, I trust that Joe Biden understands the angles and the ins and outs to deal with that, and hopefully we'll get things done. But at the same time, he's had experience dealing with Vladimir Putin. He knows him. He knows what he's capable of, and he knows the potential dangers. So Joe Biden is the exact best person to be dealing with Vladimir Putin to neutralize them once again and make them less of an influence in this country. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. So next up, let's talk about Congress. Seems Congress wanted to put together an award, an acknowledgement, or a medal to give to the Capitol Police. You know, they were there on January 6th. They were outnumbered. They were overrun. Many of them were injured. Many of them were traumatized. Some were even killed. So the idea of Congress wanting to give them some kind of award for their courage, well, that seems reasonable. That seems to make sense. But the funny thing is, is when it came to a vote in the U.S. House of Representatives, somehow there were 21 reps that voted against giving them medals. Now, how could that be? And the funny thing is, they're all Republicans, and they include people like Paul Gozar, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, those QAnon fuck-ups. Yeah, they didn't think they should get a medal. Which is funny, because aren't these the same people that scream from the mountaintop, we side with the blue, we back the blue. Well, those same people were beating the hell out of the blue at the insurrection. And now that it's over with, they still don't back the blue because they say it's not an insurrection. They say it was a bunch of tourists (laughs) visiting the Capitol. Well, we saw the videos. We saw the live coverage. That isn't what happened. People at home watching it on TV were traumatized and scared because of what was happening at our U.S. Capitol, the People's House. These rogue group of fucking animals were attacking the Capitol. They were breaking windows. They were breaking doors. They were stealing things. They were shitting on the floors. They were threatening to kill Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence. They wanted to stop a constitutional event and ultimately overturn our government. 
Remember when you were sitting at home and you watched the 9-11 event? It was frightening because you didn't know what was coming next, and you don't know how it was going to impact our country. The same thing can be said for the January 6th insurrection. It's like something we'd never seen before, something we never thought was possible. Yet it was happening in front of our face. We didn't know how this was going to end up. We didn't know when or if it was ever going to stop. And we didn't know if it was going to start someplace else, just like 9-11. It was frightening for the people that were there to, trying to stop it, of course. And they deserved medals for their bravery. But it was even fr- uh, uh, traumatic and frightening for those of us at home that were watching it, that had no idea what was really going on. But the funny thing is, these people voted against giving this award. Now, they will get the award. There wasn't enough people voting against it. But these people voted against giving the blue, the people they supposedly support, the medal. And why? Well, it's because they're still denying that it was an insurrection. They're still denying that it was violent. They're still denying that these people weren't weaponized. Now, of course, they're going to say, yeah, there were no guns there. There were a couple of guns there, but not many guns. But that isn't the only description of a weapon, a flagpole, a pipe, a bomb. There were some bombs placed in a few places that didn't explode, but they were there. To, To suggest that these people were unarmed is absolutely ridiculous. Of course they were armed. As many people that got injured would have never been injured if there were no weapons. And even if there were no weapons, their hands, their feet, the just bulk of this group of people pushing against other people is enough to cause damage. And so they are refusing to admit that this is an insurrection or a terroristic act which it was, they don't want to admit that, so they can't give these cops an award. Because if they do, then it's acknowledging that it, in fact, was a terrible thing. Now, again, the problem I have most with this is that we watched it on TV. We know it was a terrible thing. We know that there are plenty of police officers that were hurt or killed in this whole process. So there's really no debating it. But that's the strategy amongst Republicans and Trumplicans and Donald Trump himself. It's about gaslighting. Don't believe what you saw. Believe what I tell you. Now, the average Joe on the street says, fuck that. I'm not believing anything anybody says because I saw what I saw. I know what I know. But, But unfortunately, there's still a faction of people that will believe it. Either they're uninformed, they're brainwashed, or they're so want their way that they will lie at every turn to get it. And so we watch this situation and it really illustrates to us what kind of people we have in Congress, people that are willing to lie, people that uh, approve insurrection, people that approve of violence, and they approve violence against police officers. That's why They don't want to give them an award. But yet they'll tell us we're all behind the blue. You see the contradiction there? And the contradiction really shows us what these people are all about. They will lie about anything. They will do anything just to get their way, to prove their right, to win an election, to win an argument. 
these people aren't reasonable, they aren't serious, and they should be disregarded. They're too big to be completely disregarded, big in numbers, but they are starting to dwindle. And we need to make sure that they get shut down and pushed to the side where they were before Donald Trump came into office. Donald Trump simply gave them room and license to speak out. They've always been there, but they were afraid to say anything for retribution. But when Donald Trump started screaming out, all they had to say, we support our president. And yes, we hate these people. We want this. We want that. But we've got some people that are pretty fucked up now. In our Congress, I talked about um, this representative that said uh, we should arm people to go down to the border to protect the border and stop the immigrants. So, and this was this was Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, Laura Trump. She said, "Arm the people." Go down to the border and protect the border. So she's essentially telling people to take their squirrel guns, their shotguns, their pistols, whatever. Go down to the border and start shooting immigrants. Well, that's not how fucking America works. That's not something anybody I know of, of sound mind and body, that would approve of that kind of behavior or that kind of strategy. Yet that's what they're talking about. So that kind of thing needs to be stopped. And the people who spew these things need to be stopped. Yes, you have a First Amendment right to say whatever you want. Yes, you do. We all do. But we have to understand that no matter what our right is, when we say something, we are accountable and there will be consequences for some of the things we say. It goes back to the old theory, you can't yell fire in a theater because of the potential injuries of people charging out of the building because of a fire that doesn't exist. Same goes with the border. You send a bunch of people down to the border with guns, and it's going to get unpleasant. We saw it happen at the U.S. Capitol. It's not going to be any better down at the border. The people spewing these things need to take, take, take a, uh, get penalized for it, and we need to stop that action altogether because that can get nothing but ugly. I was talking about uh, Texas, too. Now, look at Texas. Texas is a state that's technically red. I know there's a lot of blue in that state. But uh, we've got a governor there that is trying to suppress votes, trying to not allow people of color a vote, not to let them to vote any more than he absolutely has to. And then recently, they just signed a bill that's called a constitutional carry. Now, what that means is, in Texas, any fucking idiot at any time for any reason can carry a gun. There's no training needed. There's no license needed. We don't even need to know that you have a gun. Anybody can just grab one off a shelf, walk down the street, and let the chips fall where they may. Well, that's a problem, as you might guess. But... Texans want to show their strength. They want to make a point against the liberal socialist. And now they're trying to anger them and trying to shove it in their face. But while that's going on, Texas also has another problem. Remember back in the winter when they had the problem with the electrical grid? Remember, Texas is basically the only state in the country that's not on a larger, bigger grid like the rest of us are. And once things got 
bad with a lot of snow and ice down in Texas. Uh, Granted, it was uncharacteristic, but it happened. Everything went to shit. The grid shut down. Nobody had water. Nobody had electricity. Nobody had heat. There were people getting sick and dying from it down there. People were angry as shit about that. Well, now it's summer. You think, okay, that's all over. But apparently they haven't fixed all of the problems with that bullshit grid. Because now they're telling people, unplug your ovens. Unplug your refrigerators. They use a lot of electricity. And apparently there is more problems with that grid. That grid could shut down again and give you all the same problems you had in the winter. The only difference is you won't be cold. You'll be hot as hell. You'll be thirsty. And you'll be sick. But here's my problem with that whole situation. You have that. Now, every Texan's mad if they're without water, they're without electricity, things are going bad, and they're troublesome. They're going to be pissed off like they were in the winter. Now that you have that constitutional carry thing where every idiot can carry a gun, they don't have to be trained or licensed, everybody's going to have a gun, and you get a bunch of pissed off people without electricity, without water, without food, They're going to be pissed off. And who are they going to be pissed off at? The government. So this whole idea of uh, allowing everybody to arm up and do whatever they want may work against them because it's going to create havoc in this uh, state should this grid fail again. If not now, in the winter, uh, you just give everybody free reign with guns. There's going to be all kinds of problems in Texas. Now, I know there's a lot of people, blue people in Texas. You need to take note of all of this stuff and fight like hell to vote all these Republican idiots out. Because you're going to get more of this, more of the same, and things need to change down there. I don't live in Texas, so there's not much I can do other than keep you informed and let you know what my opinion is for whatever that's worth. And granted, I know my opinion of what happens in Texas isn't worth much. But this is what I see And this is what I'm suggesting. You need to get the Republicans out of there because the problems are going to get worse. The grid is going to break down again, and everybody in the world is going to have a gun. And then it's going to be the Old West again in Texas. Lastly, I wanted to talk about Paul Gozar. Now, he's one of the uh, QAnon nuts with Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and the like. He was in a hearing recently, and he was questioning FBI Director Chris Wray. Now, Chris Wray is a holdover from the Trump administration as FBI Director. And Gozar is one of these guys I was talking about earlier that want to deny the insurrection, deny it was uh, violent, deny that it was nothing, or, or say that it was nothing more than tourists having fun. Well, he's all up in arms about this martyr, this poor woman, Ashley Babbitt. Now, you remember Ashley Babbitt. She was part of the raging crowd crashing into the U.S. Capitol. They were pounding on the doors, trying to get in, trying to get at Congress, trying to get at Pence and Pelosi, trying to murder them, trying to overturn our government by stopping a constitutional event in the Capitol. She was part of that group. She was leading that group on that particular charge. The window was broken. She climbed in. Capitol Police officer shoots her in the neck. She's dead. Now, for anybody with any sense, you can see how that is justifiable. 
You don't believe me? You don't think it's justifiable? Well, you uh, Second Amendment freaks, let me illustrate it for you this way. You're sitting in your home, minding your own affair, just trying to do whatever it is you're going to do. Some guy breaks through your window, rolls into the living room, threatens to kill you and your entire family, but he's unarmed. What are you going to do? Well, you Second Amendment gun nuts are going to go grab your AR-15, point it at him, and shoot him instantly because you can shoot him once he's inside the building. So the idea of Ashley Babbitt trying to overturn this government, kill Pence and Pelosi, and break into the U.S. Capitol unlawfully doesn't matter whether she was unarmed or not. She broke the law. She offended um, this situation, and she was shot and killed for it. She wasn't a martyr. She wasn't a hero. She was a criminal who was justifiably shot. But that's what Paul Gozar wants to represent. Again, it's all about diversion, all about distraction. Oh, the insurrection wasn't so bad, but you should have never killed Ashley Babbitt. Trust me, they love that Ashley Babbitt was killed because that gives them an angle to argue. Whether it's absolutely ridiculous or not, they get to argue that point. And they will do it to the nth degree. So we watch this. And we really have to try to find a way to muzzle these people in Congress because they're really causing a difficult time. They're not voting for police officers to get a a courage medal when they deserve it. They're trying to distract, divert, and and, uh, gaslight this country about things that did happen, and they're saying it didn't. We got a long way to go in this country to clean things up. The mess that Donald Trump left behind was immense. And I know a lot of people out there want it fixed tomorrow. They want everybody arrested, everything back to normal. But unfortunately, when you spend four years trying to destroy something that has worked pretty well, it's going to take a while to recuperate from that. And that's what we're in the process we're in now. I know a lot of people are impatient. This guy should be arrested. We should just do this. We should just do that. But unfortunately, we still have some of these idiots, these treasonists, still in power. And they're still causing stumbling blocks. So we have to take things step by step. We have to deal with the things we can now. And then it's on us as a voting block to get these idiots out of office any way possible, by any means necessary. That's the only way we're going to fix this thing. Um, Barack Obama once said, I saw him in an interview, and he said, uh, what's the one thing that you, you think people should need, should need to understand about government? He said, well, everybody wants change. The government, president wants change. But no matter what that change is, it comes slowly. That's just the nature of of the process of government. So you have to understand that. You have to bear with it. We'd like to speed it up. We'd like these things to happen faster, but they just won't. They just can't. That's just not how the government works. So you have to be patient. You have to be diligent in your own fighting and speaking out and trying to stop these wrongs in this country. But we need all those things happening in order to make the changes that we all know we need. 
There's a lot of changes needed from the last four years, and they're starting to come, but it's going to take a while. So you need to be patient, you need to be diligent, and you need to be tenacious. Because as much as it's on Joe Biden Democrats, Democrats aren't as tough as I'd like them to be. So it's important we, as a people, continue to thrust this in people's face and keep pushing and keep pushing and keep being opinionated and keep speaking out because that's the one thing that's going to make everything move. Whether it'll make it move faster or not, not sure. But the point is we need to get the movement. We need to push it forward so we can get the changes we need in order to be back to normal. All right, I'm going to wrap things up for this time. I hope you have a great rest of the week. I will be back to talk to you again very shortly. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.